Hello, 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 and welcome to the Podcast Spotlight, the offshoot series of the Economical Rice Podcast designed for podcast fans and brought to you by podcast fans. I'm your host, Danny, and today I am absolutely delighted to have another overseas guest, this time in the form of Tim Gibson, host of the wonderful US-based podcast, The Cabinet. Tim, welcome to the show. Hey, Danny, thanks for having me. I love to do these interviews and love to talk to other podcasters about uh, what we do and uh, give a little insight into what's uh, the background behind our shows. Exactly. And that's, uh, that's the reason why I do this show as well. So um, for people who are not familiar with who you are, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Uh, my name's Tim Gibson. I'm from a little, I'm from a little town called Polka, West Virginia. I've, you know, we have a lot of legends, a lot of interesting historical things, which we'll talk about later in the show. Um, cause we're the episode that we're going to be talking about from lore. It deals with a, a West Virginia location. Mm. And, and, but basically a little background about me is I was a broadcast journalist for about uh, five years. I worked in television and radio. Uh, I was a, an anchor, uh, for, uh, Met, West Virginia Metro News mm. in uh, in Charleston, West Virginia, and I did that for about two years where I read news on the radio. Uh, then I went back to law school, and uh, today I'm a, a prosecuting attorney in Boone County, West Virginia. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, so um, you have a podcast. It's called The Cabinet. It is... Um I would say it's it's probably a niche that is not really familiar or not uh, too common in the world of podcasting. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's very it is very uh, niche. Uh, it, I mean, a lot, there are a lot of video game podcasts out there, but there are not video game podcasts like I do it. Um, yeah. Because basically, what I do is I take uh, urban legends, creepy pastas, ghost stories. And I retell them based around video games. And these are all the uh, stories that have been uh, making their way around the Internet for years. And so what I do is I adapt them for a radio script, a narrative radio script. add some voice acting courtesy of myself. And sometimes I have some friends come on that will do some voice acting. Mm -hmm. And uh, also uh, add sound effects and everything. So you get totally immersed into the story Mm. and what's What's awesome about it is at the you know it's divided into three segments. Uh, the first segment is basically you know uh, you begin telling the story. Second segment is you end the story, and the third segment is I start to give a little history about the video game, or maybe the fear or the moral. Uh, that the story's trying to convey uh, in the third segment. Yeah, and and that's what I find so fascinating because um, I think I stumbled on your show uh, on Twitter when I first came on Twitter last year, and then I was so enthralled because it's like I I, I'm a, I was aware of these uh, you know video game podcasts or you know uh, even those creepy pasta or or scary story kind of uh, kind of podcasts like No Sleep right. So the No Sleep community is particularly big, and and I listen to them a lot, but. The way you do it, it's. <laughs> I think. I think what makes it more interesting for me as a listener listening to your show is that you dive into sort of the 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 history behind it and how it's you know how it relates to to the culture or the or the current times. I think that makes it really interesting. That's what I want to do because back in the day, if you've ever watched one of the old anthology series like The Twilight Zone mm. uh, or the or The Outer Limits, you know Rod Serling wasn't just telling a story to be telling a story. A lot of times, um, his his story had a social um, aspect to it, had a moral to the story, had some sort of thing to get you really thinking about how you treat others. And um, 
the effect on society that that that, um, that we were changing. So uh, mm. I think I think if you think about it, you you know you think about shows. You know, one of the ones that comes to mind is uh, the Maple Street episode where they thought the aliens were going to invade on the Twilight Zone. Yeah, and so and so everybody thinks everybody's an alien. Everybody thinks everybody's hiding as an alien. And it turns out that there are no aliens. Uh, there are aliens at the end, but there was never an alien in the community. They were just they, what the aliens were doing. They were trying to uh, get everybody paranoid of each other. And that was actually a parallel to the Red Scare that was happening in the 1950s, 1960s, where everybody thought um, everybody was a Russian at that time. Huh. Everybody thought So it was kind of interesting. Yeah, definitely. I think um, the, the the one Twilight Zone episode that sticks to me – I, I I don't know if you remember this one. I think it's the episode is called "Beauty is in the Eye of the Beholder." Uh huh. Yeah. Do you remember that one? I remind me what the, what's happening there. Is yeah. that the one where the, where the people have the pig faces? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the <laughs> one. So I think it's the um you you is this sort of a point of view sort of a a, a storytelling, and then um you know you're you're put in the in the in the vision of this a patient who just woke up, and I think they had some facial reconstruction surgery or something. So, so, and then, you know, the, the twist at the end is that, oh, um, actually, you know, because the patient took it to, to make themselves, uh, more beautiful. But actually, when it is revealed that actually everyone else has this pig faces and she's the one with like a normal face. So, yeah, I thought that was really, really interesting. Yeah, that's, that's one of the classics there. She's like really gorgeous. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, what's wrong with this woman? She's got the perfect face. <laughs> you look up there and there's these pig people staring down at her and go, she's so ugly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah, so to, to go back to your, uh, podcast, right? And, you know, I guess I, I was wondering, right? How did you get, why, why did you decide to go with this, uh, specific niche? It was a long way around to get to this, uh, topic here because basically mm. last year when I was, um, shopping ideas for a, a podcast, it was actually going to be some sort of law and legal podcast. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I love video games, so I want to talk about um, laws, you know, and, I, and I'm an attorney, so I want to talk about how video games affect the law. Let's talk about some of the great lawsuits in video games, um, how we ended up here, and, you know, or maybe some of the true crime stories that ended up in video games. Right. The thing was, um, when I started doing my research and started, you know, Googling and started looking for these cases – all these uh, urban legends started popping up from for these video games. All these haunted ghost stories, and I'm like, this is way more interesting. There are so <laughs> many of these stories. I can probably get two or three seasons out of these ghost stories, and you know, I would love to tell these stories. So that's how I ended up getting there. Is that it started out as a law podcast, right? And then it ended up, and then it grew and evolved um, until it was like this weird, creepy pasta podcast. Yeah. And so I did my. <laughs> I did my first pilot episode and you know sh- shared it with my friends and family. They loved it, and so I'm here. I am like the next week producing five episodes to do a, an official launch at the beginning of March. Yeah, I do that, and uh, it just kind of took off from there. Yeah, and and, and I gotta say it's been it, it's it's quite interesting because um, like like I mentioned earlier, you don't you don't 
typically find like a, a niche quite as specific as yours. Uh, but I want to, I want to touch into a little bit of the production because, you know, as you mentioned earlier, you, you put in, you know, voice acting, you put in music, you put in a lot of the script as well. And, and I want to just point out, uh, I want to talk about one specific episode that you did that I thought was absolutely fantastic. Uh, and the episode is, I think, number 23 of yours, Wolf of the Wasteland. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Please, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about that episode. Wolf of the Wasteland is basically uh, is a Fallout story. Uh, if you ever played the Fallout series of video games, hmm. um, there was a rumor out there that that for Fallout New Vegas, there was a quest line that got cut, and it got cut because it was just too graphic, it was just too violent, yeah, uh, for the game series. And if you can believe that, I mean, if you ever played Fallout, I mean, you're targeting specific body parts. Yeah. Um, and, and they're just, you know, once you do a hit, they explode. And, I'm sit- and they've dealt with some very hard subjects before in the Fallout games. But for some reason, the rumor was was that this quest line was too uh, too gory, too violent, too, uh, you know, too controversial, probably, mm. um, to put it in the video game. I don't know if it was ever real or not. I've never found any anything to suggest that it was any more than a creepypasta. But mm-hmm. the idea was that um, there was this guy that your character, the courier, is out there, and he's uh, trying to figure out what's going on. This mystery about this radio station that's just out there in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It's called Lo- and it, the radio is called Lone Wolf Radio. And so he keeps investigating this radio station. Turns out he finds the guy running the radio station, and he thinks he's a wolf. He thinks he's a werewolf. And at night he goes out and hunts children and you're the guy set out to task uh, to stop him from hunting the children. And mm-hmm. it gets really creepy because he plays his uh, murders and his torture of the radio. And I think that's what made it really controversial. That's mm-hmm. why a lot of people say that um, that this was a quest line that never made it into the game um, because of the aspect of the uh, that this guy liked to hunt children. And was it was supposed to be kind of a little red riding hood. Uh, spinoff yeah uh, it was what they were trying to do with the story and so uh basically i adapted that i did some voice acting in there and i added some of the uh some of the characters from the game including uh the the legion that's out there in new vegas on the california border mm-hmm. uh basically and tried to give it a kind of a western spin too so here's this weird mashup of post-nuclear war america cowboys <laughs> roman yeah. soldiers and werewolves <laughs> and that's just the lovely thing about video games is that they can get that they can give you these totally weird off the wall stories and they can retell <laughs> them yeah yeah and, and i thought it was uh interesting so so you came up with the script for the whole thing and you adapted it based off this rumor but you know did you actually read this off of like a creepypasta or was it did you just come up with the entire story yourself it just fleshes out from like a rumor. This is one of those. Some of them I have a, a very good map with the creepy pasta. I can go back and I can basically, you know, write out and do, you know, you know, follow it beat by beat. Right. Um, you know, just adding my own words and adding my, you know, making it easy for uh, an audio script. You know, just adapt it for an audio script. But this one is one that did not have a lot of you know, story behind it didn't have a full on blown out story. It was just a rumor. And so you get this one line sentence. And so I have to like, basically take what I know about fallout, new Vegas, Mm -hmm. research it, try to, you know, 
envisioning in my mind how this quest line is going to play out with all these factions involved and then try to, you know, basically write it out. So this is, this is one of the ones that, yeah, this is one of the, uh, storylines that I did get a chance to play around in sandbox in. And that's, that's, what's awesome is when I find one of these rumors on the internet that doesn't have a lot of story behind it. It's just basically a, you know, a little article that said this could have happened, but we don't know how it could have happened. And I get to, you know, play around in the world and tell the story the way I want to tell it. So yeah, this is one of those special ones where I got to have a little fun with it. Yeah. And it, you know, it certainly fleshed, it was fleshed out, I think, really brilliantly. Uh, and especially, I, I got to point out as well, the narration and the voice acting. Did you, was this like harnessed over your time uh, back when you're doing broadcast journalism? Yes, absolutely. Um, the voice acting is something that, you know, this just com- comes after you've done a lot of audio, a lot of radio. Um, and so you get, you, you get a couple of these characters. Like if I remember the, uh, the wolf, the wolf character is like, you know, I'm trying to pattern him off some of those um, creepy anime characters that I've seen on TV. <laughs> yeah. So, so he's like, uh, so he, I think he kind of talks like this. He's like, five more minutes until, uh, until the next, uh, till the moon rises over the horizon. And I'm like, <laughs> what the heck? What, what is this coming out of my voice here? At this <laughs> Yeah, but but I think I got to say the narration with the the, the Texan or the Southern drawl that was really good, really fit the sort of a whole Western uh, kind of atmosphere that were that you were trying to portray, and then uh, the wolf and with, with the growling one also was uh, was really really scary as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I like when I have stories with cowboys um, and or you know Southern characters because then I can just let my full on natural accent just be crazy. <laughs> I don't yeah. have to worry about, you know, my dick shit. I don't have to, you know, worry about sounding like I'm from somewhere else so people yeah. can understand me. I can just be full on Rick Grimes from The Walking Dead. That's awesome. <laughs> exactly. Play, play to your strengths, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like so basically I can be there like, I'm going to go hunt me some zombies with birthday cake. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. And, uh, and, and yeah, I guess um, just before we, we move on to talking about lore, uh, I just want to bring up another episode, and this one is, I would say it, it teeters on the border between um, serious and, you know, not so serious, uh, was, I think the number was 25, and it was is the episode Wee Wee. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, um, yeah. so, so, so this story, um, basically what it was, uh, was that there was like a radio competition whereby, uh, the, 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 the radio hosts were saying that, you know, they invited a bunch of people on, you know, they, they gave them a competition saying that, you know, if you could drink water, drink, keep drinking water and not go to the bathroom, the last one to survive will give you this, uh, Wii console. And then, and you had one line in there where you pronounced the name of the contest, right? The radio station's big idea is coming into focus for you now. The contestants would drink water. Whoever could last the longest without taking a bathroom break would win the Wii. The masterminds of this idea dubbed the contest Hold Your Wii for a Wii. The marketing practically wrote itself. And you, you said it. You said it with a complete deadpan. I didn't know how you pulled that off because I, <laughs> I was laughing my ass off just listening to that. 
Lots of practice, lots of takes, and lots of practice. <laughs> and that's a real story. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. The, that's not something that's just like a creepy pasta somebody's not sure about. That really happened. That is one of the weird stories that really happened. And <laughs> I'm still like in shock that this still happened. I feel I mean, I totally feel for the woman that participated in that and feel for her family. Yeah. But it's but who at that radio station sits there and goes, that's a good idea. Let's do this. I mean, I was in radio production for in television production for a few years, and that type of contest would have never crossed our mind. <laughs> yeah. So, so how did you even come across this story? Was this a, an internet thing, or was this something like an industry thing that you heard about? No, nah, it's an internet thing because you know, basically, when I go down to do a season, I'll go through and see, you know, what type of weird stories do I want to do, and when do I want to do them? And this one was. Coming out, this is this happened around the Christmas time, you know. Right. So, you know, I'm looking for Christmas episodes, and I'm like, I need two Christmas episodes, and so this is the first one that popped up, and I'm like, this is perfect because right. everybody, has, everybody every year is, you know, wants that new console so badly, and they'll do anything for it, and this is just, you know, a take on that. You know, how far will you go to make your kids happy? How far will you go to get them that? Um, you know, perfect present for Christmas and how far is too far. And that was kind of the, the moral discussion at the, you know, at the end is, is it really worth the price of those kids losing a mom, losing a parent and their family losing a friend because of, you know, just to be happy for, you know, a fleeting second when somebody that's been there their entire life has left them. And that was, you know, you go from the comedy, you know, which is back to the twilight zone. You, you know, there's the point to just, there's high levels of comedy and those, you know, you get to scariness and everything in there, but then you get to the low moral at the end and you're just like, man, I got to figure out, <laughs> you know, we got to, we got to have a real discussion about our society at this point in time. Yeah. 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 And I think, I think, um, that was, uh, the, the second half of that episode, particularly, that was a real punch to the gut, uh, in terms of like what actually happened with that contestant, because, uh, you know, after, yeah, after she went on, I, I don't think she finished it. Um, she, she started having headaches, migraines, and she eventually passed away due to water poisoning. And it's really tragic. And they, the funny thing was she didn't even get the key in the end. <laughs> yeah. No, she, yeah, she was the second place winner. Um, which is, you know, that kind of, which kind of sucks because she ended, I mean, she didn't get the Wii, but she—they're like you walk away with a consolation prize. You get Justin Timberlake tickets, which that's not a bad prize in itself. <laughs> right. But still, um, but she ended up dying, and and that's you know, and they're you listen to the interview surrounding all that, you know, yeah. After she gets done, and they're calling to check on her, and they're just they just don't really care. They're just like, you know, it's supposed to happen. That happens when you get water poisoning. So at that point in time, you knew that they knew the dangers. Um, they knew the symptoms of water poisoning and, but they still let it carry on. I mean, yeah, yeah. And, and I guess, um, you know, just to, just to, to bring up a little bit about the, you know, your legal background and stuff, there was one point where I think you mentioned that, uh, there was a lawsuit and then, uh, the verdict was that it was a hundred percent on the part of the radio station and no part of, uh, uh, negligence, you know, found on the the parent company or the contestant. I thought that was really fascinating. Yeah, when you're de- when you're talking about a negligence ca- case like that, you're talking about a case where you're talking about the idea of contributory negligence. Who had the, uh, you know, who contribute? You know, how much did each party contribute to the to the behavior that ended up 
in the injury or in the death. And right. so they'll assign a percentage of that there. They'll say, okay, this person is 85% at fault and this person is 15% at fault. Um, but in this case, the, the behavior was so extreme, so horrible that they said 100% you're liable radio station. Um, and the other thing we're talking about is we're talking about parent companies here. We're talking about, um, Companies that go out, you know, they're you know, you may think about your individual radio station out there, hmm. but they're usually owned by a company that's larger and it has a network of stations out there. Right. And so you, we start to think, you know, can we get to the, you know, that little local radio station may not have a lot of money to pay out. So let's try to get to the big radio station. And so, what well, you know, the big network there. And so we sue the network, the parent company, and then the radio, then the radio station, and then the individuals that were involved in this. Mm. And so we try to add multiple parties. Uh, but the problem is, is that sometimes where the those companies are so big, um, is that they can't know what you know the little companies under them are doing. So um, they may not be negligent, and that's. That sounds like what happened in this case. Yeah, and and you know the the amount I think um, in the lawsuit was sixteen million. Yes, uh, that would, that seemed to me just ridiculous. And did, did the did the radio station eventually pay that out? I don't think they would have sixteen million, would they? Well, I, I don't know because I haven't did a follow up yet. I'll have to do some research on that because I don't want to sit here and tell you that everybody's got their money and then nobody has their money and be wrong about it. Right, um, it's something I'm have to do research down the road on, but I'll. If I fi- ever figure out, I'll, I'll get back to you on Twitter and let you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as far as I know, I haven't heard anything that those people weren't taken care of. Um, mm. The good news is, though, is that the original radio station in that format um, and that kind of shock jock format it was trying to go for, it it is shut down and it um, it no longer plays in that type of format. So at least there was some sort of justice in that type that they can't behave like that anymore. Like they were behaving within that contest, Mm. which is a, which is a good thing at the end of the day. Now let's uh, move on to talking about the podcast recommendation, and the podcast uh, that you have you have recommended us today, as you have mentioned earlier, is called Lore. So this is a pretty established one, and the episode in question is called The Collection. So, Tim, please tell us a little bit more about Lore. Uh, Lore is probably one of the inspirations uh, for me as a podcaster. It's one of the the first shows that I got out there and, and realized that you know a lot of the shows out there. Um, there are other formats out there where you can be more creative. There's the audio drama and the narrative mm-hmm. uh, type podcast. And Lore is a narrative type podcast. And what um, the host does, Aaron Mankey, is he goes out there, he researches a topic in history. Um, and most of his most of his stories aren't going to be modern. They're going to be probably from the eighteen, you know, from the eighteen hundreds or further back uh, to the earliest twenty early twentieth century. And they're going to be talking about ideas like uh, spiritualism, uh, ghosts, uh, some of those, um, you know, paranormal aspects. Or they're going to be more true crime. You know, there could be a true crime story in there. Mm. It's anything that's creepy and dark 
from the past in history. That's the type of story he's going to tell. Yeah. He's going to do it in under 30 minutes. And it's usually in the way he narrates, um, the way he adds the, you know, he has this soft piano music, um, that comes in under it. It's, it's kind of unsettling throughout the entire, uh, you know, throughout the entire episode. <laughs> yeah, it is. Because he's, t- I mean, he's got a totally deadpan style. You're, he's not going to raise his voice and get emotional. He's just going to tell it in the same, you know, low key manner. Mm-hmm. And he's going to do it to perfection pretty much. And the music underneath is going to, you know, accent some of the, you know, some of the horrible things that have happened in the past. And it's just, it's just completely dark. Um, when the German authorities began to investigate Cornelius Gerlitt for tax evasion, they were only looking for proof of illegal accounting. What they found, though, was an entire apartment filled with artwork. A lot of times, but sometimes there's some light at the end of the tunnel. Sometimes you get, at the end, you get the idea, you get that some sort of justice has been delivered, either through uh, the court system or on a cosmic level, if you, uh, <laughs> you know... <laughs> If you uh, if you believe that sort of thing, yeah, 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 and 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 I just gotta say, you know, you know, when you mentioned earlier that um, lore is one of your biggest inspirations, I could definitely uh, see that sort of narrative style rubbing off on uh, the way you sort of structure your own episodes. And uh, speaking about the format and the structure and all, you know, the narrative monologue kind of style, you know, this was something when I first started out doing podcasting that I sort of. Um, went with the, that sort of direction as well, where I just wrote out a script and I just read it out. But, you know, a challenge for me was like constantly trying to come up with ways to make it more interesting for the listener because it was just, if it's just me talking on without any music, it's going to be, you know, really dry. But the way in which Aaron Mankey does it, it's just him talking most of the time. But yeah, I, I, I don't know how he does it. It's, it seems so sparse, the production, but it works. <laughs> in in a, in a really weird way, uh, yeah. <laughs> the beauty is in the simplicity of the show. It's not, you know, unlike my show where uh, I'm changing my voices and I'm adding sound effects here and there. He can just get on there and just deliver the story, and uh, you know, people are like, "Man, this is really special," and, and keep coming back week in, week out. Yeah. Do you, do you think it's maybe because it's the the sort of the nature of the, 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 the topics that he's talking about, like the actual tales that, you know, that's what makes it engaging or. I think a lot of it has to do with the, the niche he's chosen, the tales, mm. um, because quite honestly, I wouldn't, I've found lore if it wasn't for an interest in, you know, the paranormal and, and the creepy. And, you know, I think it really does tell a lot about the tales that he's, he's researching the tales he's picking out. And you got to remember, he's the one, you know, hit, hit, he has a team, he has assistance and everything, but he's ultimately the one picking what his episode's going to say and, you know, what they're going to do that, you know, do for that episode. So he's, right. uh, we gotta, you know, you gotta give a hand to him for choosing the correct uh, stories to tell at the, at a, the, the right time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so, you know, this, this episode, the collection, what is it about? It's about uh, a prison in my home state of West Virginia the West Virginia state penitentiary called, uh, and it's in a town called Mansville, Moundsville, not mm-hmm. Mansville, Moundsville. And the reason the town is called Moundsville, because it is built around a native American burial site. There are many burial mounds mm-hmm. around that, um, you know, around that area. So you're beginning uh, a town that was built around essentially a graveyard yeah. uh, in the beginning. And so this ends up being the home of, 
of our uh, what our prison for many years, um, you know, for our major offenders. And while I'm talking about a ma- major offenders, I'm talking about your murderers, uh, your rapists, mm. your all of your violent offenders are going um, to this place. This is where your lifers are going to go. Mm. Um, back when we had the death penalty, this is where the death penalty would be administered. Um, we don't have the death penalty. We haven't had it for decades. Uh, but we do. But when we did, we had a chair that was called um, Old Sparky, and it was called Old Sparky because it was an electric chair. Yeah. And um, that's how you know you, he talks a little bit about Old Sparky in the episode. And basically, you know, it's Old Sparky still exists. It's in a it's in a museum down there. Um, but due to all the violence and um, you know, th- this is a prison that was notorious. This was a uh, a place that was, you know, known for harboring violent individuals. So you put them all in one area um, and it's going to get violent between each other. So inside the prison, beatings, murders, a lot of death because a lot of people were in there until life, mm-hmm. suicides, um, things like that were going on. Eventually, once it was closed, um, stories started arising out of the prison that there was um, hauntings in there. They could hear voices. They could see shadow people. They would see uh, weird things that, you know, you know, all this weird phenomenon. Mm. And so it started becoming this, you know, destination for paranormal investigators. And so um, it even has ghost tours to this day that the general public can go in and, you know, and they'll tell about these individual people that haunt these cells and so it's become a, a really uh, you know place for people who love haunted tourism. But what Aaron does with his story is he starts to talk about this idea of you know a collection. Mm. Are we collecting these bad people? Um, and is this the thing we want to be collecting? Is these you know putting them all together in one particular area and you know gathering all this negative energy mm. and. Uh, together because at this point in time it could basically you're talking about more and more tragedy coming together when all these people are put together but then again you're exploring the dichotomy of you know of whether you want them in society too you don't want because you definitely do not want a murderer in society you definitely do not want a rapist in society so what do we do with these people and at this point in time the most humane thing is to put them in you know, separate them from society at this point in time and try to keep the rest of the public safe. But it's still at the same time, it's the idea that we're creating a collection of the worst of humanity. Mm. Yeah. And, and that is, that, that was um, the sort of chilling uh, side of the story that I took away from it as well. You know, you mentioned all the, 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 the stories of um, beatings, violence, uh, abuse, uh, suicides, murders, and even from the guards as well. You know, uh, Aaron, uh, he mentioned there was, the, you know, there, was, there were cases of torture. There, there was this thing called the shoe fly, which was like a water, an early version of waterboarding, which I thought was really, really grim. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's really interesting, too, because you'd have these people that come in from the community to work in the prison, hmm. but... Because and and so I, you start to think about that because they're surrounded by all this evil and all this dark and negativity. I mean, does that eventually have an effect on them? Where all that's collected in one place? Are they going to act one way in the prison hmm. um, because of 
all that, you know, they're surrounded by all this evil. But then when they come out, they're, they're basically, are they going to be be able to resume their normal lives due to their occupation? That's that's a tough that's a tough idea too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know, just to build on that, right? Um, I'm just curious about the sort of whole uh, cultural lore, uh, if if you allow me, uh, behind this behind this place. Have have you been there yourself personally? I haven't been to Moundsville, but I've been to other haunted areas in the state. There. We have this, you know, that architecture is all around the all around the state. That particular mm-hmm. architecture. We have another site um, that's that was our state mental hospital for many years until it was closed down. It's called the Trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, right? And it's it's in uh, Weston, West Virginia. And I have actually been to that location. Okay. And it and it housed a lot of um, of our mentally ill people for years upon years. And it is also. Um, one of the sites that's, you know, would qualify as one of these places that is, you know, as a collection type place where we would, you know, the people that couldn't live in society anymore, it's where we collected these people uh, over the years. And so you're talking about procedures that, you know, may have been worse or equal, equally as horrible. You're talking mm. about ideas like lobotomies um, that were thought to be you know, legitimate medical treatments, electroshock therapy, um, all these archaic type things. And one of the most chilling aspects of that place when I when I toured that place um, is that they they put some of the um, pictures from the the patients that were there that they drew some of the art projects. Oh man! And, and um, what they see in their minds um, is chilling because it's. Um, their hallucinations. Um, they they literally see monsters. Um, they literally see hellfire. Um, and they they draw it on these pictures. And they you know some of them would even write out what these um, creatures in their mind were telling them. Right. And it's all you know because of the mental illness that they're suffering. And you're like, man, they they're seeing this on a daily basis. <laughs> and it, it's it's. I can see why they're, you know, why they, why they are the way they are, and also you got to think that not only were that was housing just mentally mentally ill people, but there were also people there that committed crimes mm. um, too because of their mental illness, and so they have to live the rest of their lives in that asylum um, for the rest of their lives. So you've got this ancient place that looks like a, a medieval castle housing all these people, and on the inside. Um, there's you, you walk through it and there's just it's just uh, it's it's amazing of what it's of, you know, the history that's contained into it. And not only the history, but the dark history that's contained inside of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, I'm just curious, are you do you personally believe in like the paranormal? I, I, I consider myself a Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I believe in an afterlife. I believe in a heaven and a hell. Um do ghosts come and visit us? That's a question that's not answered uh, in my religion, as far as I uh, as I'm concerned. I think it's open to a lot of interpretation. Right. Uh, you know, there's a lot of. I mean, there are a lot of accounts and um, some phenomenon we don't understand. I think there's a lot in this world we don't understand. Um, we can't grasp because you know I think human mind is uh, finite. Yeah. I think we- we live in an infinite universe that goes on and on forever. Um, and there are just some things we will never be able to comprehend at this level of, uh, of thinking. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and you know the the reason I'm asking um is because I'm wondering, right? So 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 um I'm going to put out a, a sort of theory regarding all the hauntings and stuff, and especially uh, tying back to this whole theme of collection and you know all this all the darkness being stored in in one place, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if the sort of all the reports of hauntings, um, and you know all all, all the stories of of people hearing things and, fe- and you know stories of people getting touched or or, or something like that or seeing things. I'm wondering if that has more to do with sort of um, the, I, the the perception surrounding these places, you know, s- sort of like you know uh, people view these places as being the, a storage of all, you know, for example, for the, the the state penitentiary, it's like the collection of like the worst people in society, or the the, the mental institution, right? the mental institute is like the collection of like uh, the people with the worst mental issues uh, in society. So you know, when they go there with this sort of perception that oh, this place has this sort of history, it's has had all these people. And then it sort of, you know, aggravates their senses a bit or, or something. And then they, 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 they think that they saw something or they think that they felt something. Do you think that that's the case or am I off the I mark that, here? I think it's very possible you go into a place that you can think that you, uh, that, you know, there's a lot of, you know, that, that's supposed to be haunted. Hmm. Um, and you can hype yourself up to a point where you start, you know, feeling like, Every little chill is uh, one of the uh, re- one of the the ghosts touching you, right. or you, you know, or you may start, you know, hear something and you think it's a whisper. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of things that you know, you know, a lot of things that can be easily explained. I don't think every place that d- declares itself haunted, yeah, is haunted. Um, you know, I, you know, some of these voice recordings and different things uh, that a lot of them capture what they call EVPs. Um, that kind of gets me too. I'm like, well, what saying that, you know, that that's not some sort of interference, um, in the voice recorder or some sort of, you know, technology that's interfering with the voice recorder at this point in time. Um, or like they have these devices called spirit boxes and it's supposed to run through all these frequencies that go, you can tell I watch a lot of these ghost shows on TV, (laughs) all the lingo. It interests me. Yeah. Totally interests me, but they talk about this technology called spirit boxes where you're supposed to be running through all these radio frequencies so fast and the ghost is supposed to be able to communicate with you intelligently. But my problem with that technology is, okay, you're running through all these radio frequencies so fast and you're asking these questions and, you know, you're getting these random words and they are random words a lot of times. What's saying you're not just hitting a radio station at that particular time and getting, getting the random word from the radio broadcast. That's, I think for a lot of hauntings, there are, are some possible explanations, but there are some that cannot be explained. Um, which is, and there's like even skeptics out there that have captured stuff and it's changed their whole mind. Yeah. I I mean, I don't know if you've ever listened to astonishing legends. Um, but those guys went to a place called the Sally house in Kansas and one went in, as a total skeptic and he plays with his voice recorder up there and there's this thing growling at him on the voice recorder <laughs> and yet and yelling at him and, and in this intelligible conversation oh, and clearly man. that's not like <laughs> clearly it's not the right local radio station coming <laughs> voice recorder and you're like i can see how his perspective is i can see how scott's <laughs> perspective has changed <laughs> i can see why he's now a believer in the paranormal <laughs> Yeah, and I, I mean, you know, I, I bring this up not to be like a skeptic or anything. I, I, I'm certainly 
uh, a sort of a more agnostic uh, sort of view with uh, with the with the whole paranormal. And you know, I've from where I'm from, right? Uh, we have a lot of stories of you know sightings and you know ghost hauntings, and we even have this thing whereby um, you know some people are said to have a third eye that yeah. you can you can see the uh, the uh, you know those who have passed, but they are still around; they haven't moved on yet. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, you know, I, I, I hear these stories all the time. So I'm not, I definitely not want to say that, um, you know, these kind of things def- definitively don't exist. But, you know, I just wanted to, to sort of, uh, accentuate the, the idea that, you know, the, the idea of the collection, right? You put, you put it all in one place and then the sort of the darkness, right? Mankey was always, Mankey kept repeating this idea that, you know, you keep all these things in one place, all the negativity, the darkness, eventually has to leak out and i'm wondering if part of this leaking out you know uh, comes out in the form of these ghost stories and you know all these uh, supposed hauntings and it sort of, it builds around the culture uh, and it builds around the, the the sort of lore and it builds around the history uh, of the place as well builds that sort of perception of it you know uh, and, what, and what it is i mean yeah i mean that that is absolutely true i mean you're not going somewhere that's you know pr- particularly active like Let's talk about your like. Let's say your wa- local Walmart. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get a, which is, <laughs> which is a big old retail store here in the United States. If nobody knows what a Walmart is, but right. uh, but a Walmart. I mean, like we're you're going shopping for groceries and um, you know, clothes and toys and everything, and people are there on a constant basis. You're not <laughs> going to hear a ghost story from Walmart, but a place is abandoned and creepy and run down and looks like it can- came straight out of the 1860s. Like the like the West Virginia State Penitentiary and the Trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, yeah, you're that's the place that's going to have the ghost stories because it fits uh, it fits the narrative, it fits it fits everything that goes with it. It has the the history, the dark history, right? And the, those stories are what's going to come out of those areas. So I can, yeah, and it's and not to, you know, it's okay to be a skeptic. It's okay to question things because. Um, I think a lot of people nowadays don't want to question things. They just want to take, uh, they just want to take things at face value. You know, I saw it on Facebook, so it's got to be true. Or I saw it on Twitter, it's got to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, we have so much, uh, you know, fake news and misinformation uh, running around. I, you know, I just don't see, I don't, I don't see a problem with being a skeptic. If you want to, if everybody wants to question the haunted stories, that's fine. Uh, that's that's excellent. But also uh, on the flip side, it's it's fun to to tell these stories. It's fun to you know sit around the campfire and discuss the possibilities of whether uh, you know a ghost is real or you know whether the, you know UFOs exist. I mean, yeah. it's not it's not going to change your life for the better. It's just a fun time, you know, to have a you know sit around have a coke or a beer and just you know talk about what's going on. You know, some of the more interesting stories in our world. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, is there any possibility that, you know, you'll do like a paranormal investigator kind of podcast <laughs> sometime in the future? Oh, I don't know if I'll ever do a paranormal investigator podcast um, because I don't want to go out there and like be locked in these places <laughs> <laughs> for like uh, overnight from midnight to like 8 a.m. Uh, I think that's where I draw the line. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, maybe in the future I've talked about this, you know, you know, concept. Right. Uh, with my dad and everything uh, about like maybe doing a paranormal podcast that, you know, highlights some of the stories in, in West Virginia at some point down the road after um, I feel really comfortable with um, where the cabinet's at and mm. uh, 
or if it comes to a point where I'm ready to, to to shutter the cabinet and move on to something else, I think that would be my next podcast would be like a paranormal West Virginia podcast. Mm. So we have so many great stories in this state. Um, that's where a lot of our paranormal stories come from this part of the country is that, you know, from that old idea of, you know, what's out there. We don't know what's out there, what's hiding in the woods for us. So very, it's a, there are some very interesting stories that I'd like to tell. Yeah. And it's, uh, interesting that you brought up the, you know, the, the whole, the whole idea of the, the, the mystery and all these conspiracies and the, not say conspiracy, but the ghost stories and all the controversies. Cause this seems to be quite a popular niche, uh, in the podcasting scene. There's so many of them on, uh, on Twitter. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, uh, curious, right? So if you ever go into that, will you, will you stick to like the narrative format or will you go into like a, you know, a sort of like a discussion, uh, with you and your dad kind of thing? I, I think I'll stick with the, you know, I might, it might be a hybrid type show because mm. I love the narrative format. Mm. I don't want to abandon that because that gives me, um, you know, I don't, cause I don't like to do like a direct recap, but I like to do a, adaptations mm. and I like to, I like to do movies for your mind type of thing. I think that's a lot of, um, you know, kind of like an audio book you're driving down the road to, and you get to see, you can see something that's yeah. definitely, you, you know, entertain, you know, I'm more into the entertainment aspect of it yeah. than I am the informational side of it. I don't, I don't expect this to be, uh, hard and fast news because i did i did hard and fast news sometimes and sometimes that can be a, a lot more terrible than the uh, dark and creepy things mm. um but you know i would you know absolutely love uh you know that format where you can make the television show uh see the characters in your mind and imagine them in your mind and uh you know just giving a you know basically giving a tv show for for uh that mental scape yeah, yeah, definitely. And um I think you're doing a fantastic job. Yeah, so uh you know, do you have any final words for lore and the collection? Uh basically, if you've never tried lore, give it a chance. Um it's definitely a great podcast for your um you know, your morning commute, your afternoon commute or um if you uh alone at your house uh <laughs> in the dark uh, with your coffee or your hot cocoa and <laughs> If you don't feel You're like long, going to, you don't feel like going to bed tonight. <laughs> yeah, you don't feel like going to bed tonight. You want to stay up late. Uh, you should definitely turn on lore and listen to it uh, because Aaron does do an excellent job. Um, he um, does tell the story uh, with a unique spin, um, and I think without lore, I think there wouldn't be this explosion of paranormal podcasts that you have out there today. Mm. I think that's one reason a lot of people are out. You talk about the explosion of yeah. paranormal podcasts. I think um, when people saw lore take off, it was kind of like when they saw serial take off in the true crime genre. Yeah, uh, that's why people. That's why there was an explosion uh, in the paranormal podcast, and it's kind of like serial and true crime. Um, you know, it's just uh, it's definitely gives you a roadmap of how to be successful and how to, you know, how to do paranormal podcasting uh, right. Yeah, yeah, I, I I appreciate that. I mean, um, you know, my my own inspirations were shows like Planet Money or Freakonomics, and and I try to emulate or mo- or model my show off of them as well. So, you know, I I wouldn't say trying to follow them or copy them is is necessarily a bad thing. You're if you're taking the effort to to go out there, spend the time, put in the hours to make the podcast. I think you're doing, you're doing something good. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't hurt to listen to shows that are successful and figure out, you know, 
what they're doing to make themselves successful because I think a lot of people start out in podcasting um, without the idea of, you know, structure or, or set, you know, or segmentation, um, having a type of rundown. Um, like you specifically, you here are going, okay, I'm going to talk about Tim's podcast first. I'm going to talk about uh, a favorite episode of his podcast. Yeah. Uh, and that basically shows that, you know, you're professional and you definitely know what you do. You definitely <laughs> know where to take this thing. I think some people get out there and just basically get on a mic and talk for hours and forget about, you know, forget about that people still want to hear a professional product at the end of the day and hear a product that seems that like uh, that's more than just getting in front of the mic and more than just getting out there and talking. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to go into too much of a rant, but, you know, those kind of people, that that's a, a pet peeve of mine. Is yeah. That, <laughs> where you have those shows where, and, and and I see this so common in the sort of the, the indie podcasting scene, um, mm-hmm. is that you have this show, it's just two people and they're just talking and, you know, they, they, will, they will title uh, the episode about some topic, but they take like 20 minutes of like chit chat before they ever get to talking about the topic and that just drives me crazy sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody. If you're gonna talk about the you talk about topic, let's get into it and, and let's let's do it. That's yeah. the, <laughs> that's what that's the way I feel about it. So yeah. uh, I agree with you, but but then again, you know, you can't knock that too um, because there's a lot of people that that's their first podcast and they're learning through that that process. They've never had any broadcast experience. They've never had any podcast experience or media experience and i you know you just got to be glad that they're trying something different trying something new on the other hand and um maybe in as you go on you can start to see some of these shows evolve and and change and actually become better down the road um because they do take the advice of 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 experienced podcasters and broadcasters and listen to different uh different formats and different shows and see how they are building a successful show so um to those that are that are doing that, uh, keep doing what you're doing. Um, yeah. keep, listen to more shows, and um, you know, just to know what's out there, and you know, better yourself. Just do what you. It'll it'll come. You know, the talent. You, if you you've got part of it's the talent, and part of it's the work effort, and you know, mm. a lot. You know, the biggest part is the work effort, and you just put the work into it. It'll come to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I definitely agree there, and. uh yeah, that, that's why I, did. I didn't want to be too judgmental about them. I know that there's, you know, quite a number of listeners who obviously like that kind of format. Otherwise, they would, oh, yeah. have, they would have, uh, <laughs> they would stop doing that a long time ago. And I, and I think it's, it's a pretty interesting point right now in sort of the general podcasting world where we see a lot of money coming in. And, you know, I think the professionalism is going to notch up quite a, quite a bit in the next few years, especially as you see a lot of, uh, sort of the more, more money coming in and more industry players coming in. But um, we'll see how this plays out in the the indie scene. I don't know if there's people are gonna get <laughs> people are gonna step up as well, or but it'd be fun yeah. to see. Yeah. And then you brought the money point, and the the other thing is is if you're doing this for the mo- if a lot of people are trying to do this for the money, mm. don't, don't worry about the money. I mean, if you're having fun, keep doing it because you're having fun. Um, don't you know? Don't just get discouraged. Be you know, um, because you're not getting any sponsors or you're not getting. Uh, you know, the recognition that you think you deserve. If you're having fun doing this and you're having, you know, a good idea, you know, you have a good idea out there, just stick with it. Um, you know, if you've got, 
if you've got at least one person out there, there's at least listening to you. There's one person that is your fan and there's somebody that cares enough to come back to your show week in, week out. And that's what's important. It's not about, you know, it's not about the monetary gain. It's about the creative outlet and it's about the, the passion for whatever subject you have. I think that's, that's the other piece of advice I'd leave, leave to people out there doing this and doing this for the first time too. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And, um, you know, aside from the, the money thing, right? I think, um, what's so great about podcasting, what I love about podcasting as well is that with shows like Lore and with shows like yours as well is no matter what you do, people are going to bring up stories and, you know, they're going to be on the internet. And, you know, these are stories that would have not been told or maybe wouldn't, would not have been accessible were not for a, a, a platform such as podcasting. So, you know, even though if it's like a show of like only 50 listeners or like 10 listeners or like a 20,000 listeners, these shows are all out there. These stories are all out there. And, the world is I, – I like to believe that the world is all the better for it. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's, that is the cool thing about, you know, the, about formats like my show and formats like Lore is that, you know, some of these stories are getting lost in, in you know, the big heap that is the internet or, or history. And uh, podcasting is bringing a lot of these stories back out to the forefront. So you may have – some guy may have written a creepypasta about – um, some obscure game like he may write a creepy pasta about uh let's say dig dug and mm-hmm. then one day i come across the creepy pasta written about dig dug and adapt it into a story and all of a sudden um his story's in front of a you know a few uh, a few hundred to a thousand ears I mean, mm. that he didn't have before so um that's pretty that's what's really good about uh good about what we do is that we can um, highlight some of the stories that are are getting lost out there to to history or um, to just the the general clutter that's out there on the internet. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that um that is a collection that is is worth having. I would say. <laughs> yeah, that is that is a that is definitely a, a collection that we should be uh, gathering out there. People, <laughs> you're you're exactly right. <laughs> All right. So uh, and with that brings the end to today's episode. Thank you so much, Tim, for coming on. Uh, so for those people who are interested in getting in touch with you and uh, your work out there, where can they find you? Yeah, we can. Uh, you can go to www.thecabinetpodcast.com. Uh, that gives a, you a list to all of our uh, social uh, uh, media outlets. Um, you can fi- you can follow us on Twitter. That's probably our most active uh, social media platform mm-hmm. uh, at, at the Cabinet Cast. Um, the easiest thing to do is to look for our logo, which is the arcade cabinet with the skull inside. So mm. um, that's the the right cabinet you're looking for. All right, perfect. All right, so if you like this episode, please do a big favor by sharing it amongst your friends or by subscribing to the Economical Rice podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Spotify. All the links and details to the shows discussed in this episode will be available in the show notes on the website, www.economicalricepodcast.com. And if you have any questions, suggestions, or feedback for the show, you can drop a message on the social media links below. Once again, this has been your host, Danny, with special guest Tim at the Podcast Spotlight, the show by podcast fans for podcast fans.